Hey, ladies and gents, I've got my friend here today, another very, very special guest, goes by the name of Nikki Kassa, and Nikki Kassa and I, we met quite recently, and I actually had Nikki come on and do a great talk for my clients on mindset, which was uh, which was awesome and super valuable. So yeah, it's great to have you here today, Nikki, and how is your day going? Anyway, how's your morning going? Thanks for having me back on the podcast again. No, is this my first podcast with you? I lose track because I know I've facilitated mastermind for your clients. That's right. And you've done two. You've done uh, two podcasts with. No, my gosh, Martin, I can't even figure no, 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 it no, out. No, no, you're right. You're right. I did a podcast <laughs> with you. No, I did a podcast with you the other week. That's right. It gets confusing, <laughs> doesn't it? And then you did a mastermind. Now we're here again. This is the third time we've had a, a conversation. So yeah, we're just we just have so much to talk about, people. I can't keep up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, let's get stuck in there, Nikki. Right. So I'd like to just you to share more about you know who is Nikki Casa and what is it you do, Nikki. It'd be great to share that with the audience just to give us a bit more of an insight. Yeah, great question. Who is Nikki Casa? So I am. <laughs> That's such a strange question. You know, I, feel I like know. She... I wanted to throw you a bit with that. I thought I'll try and test her out. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it, Martin. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I'm going to kind of just sidetrack here because I feel that there's these questions that everyone asks each other each day. Questions like, how are you? How's your day? Who are you? And we give very blase answers that aren't really meaningful or don't actually have any significance to what we're saying. So for example, you know, I'm a coach or like that. And that doesn't really signify like who I am, like who Nikki Kassa is. When I say I'm a coach, a mindset coach, that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of who I am, right? That's just a job that I do. And so I feel that sometimes, you know, just to kind of give people something they can begin to think about already is we're often not very present to the ways that we conversate and talk to people. And when people say questions, ask questions like, how are you? How How's your day? Who are you? We don't really give people the truth about what we actually feel um, and who we actually think we are. So like when you, I hear that question, a part of me wants to go just kind of just say, you know, you're a coach from Sydney and another part of me goes, well, that's not who you are, Nikki. That's just what you do. Like who you are is like love and compassion. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, be, I'm a spirit guide that brings people together and helps them to reconnect to the truth of who they, who they are. And I do that by, you know, guiding them through it with love and light and compassion. And, you know, you're probably hearing that and being like, whoa, she's, that's a lot. But I think that there's a lot of impact in when we can slow down and really begin to ask those questions, like really truthfully, like, who am I? You know, and as you listen to that now, most of you probably won't have the answer to that. And that's kind of a problem if you're using your job as a response to who you are, because it's not, it's just what you do. And most of you, if you didn't get paid for that thing, you probably wouldn't do that, right? You probably wouldn't get up in the morning and roll out of bed and, oh, drag yourself to that job that you maybe don't love. Mm. So it's like, who are you without your job? And most people don't know the answer to that question. 100%. And that's kind of like your expertise as well, right? Is helping people become aware of these things and how they, how they identify and belief systems and all those kind of things. So in terms of like 
people's identity, right? Let's let's talk on that. So what you're saying there is like obviously we can easily identify with, as you say, like a job role or something we do for a living. But that's not necessarily who we are, right? So, you know, because we have qualities, we have things we enjoy doing, we show up a certain way, right? And we all have different qualities and everything else. So is how would you how would you kind of explain that in terms of identity? Because I'm sure with some of your clients, for example, right? that they've had these belief systems and stuff like that. And they have this uh, identity, uh, something they identify as. And do you feel like that can be a bit of a problem then? You know, for example, when people come into your program, do you feel like sometimes breaking down those barriers and help people raise that awareness in terms of who they are can be helpful? Oh, it's an essential part of their, their growth. Anyone who's looking to grow in the personal development space will need to come to terms with this lesson somewhere in their journey. And some people are ready for it sooner than others. And so if anything resonates, it's a great sign that you feel called to explore the question of who am I? And the thing is, if we go back to um, and just kind of understand why most people don't understand, uh, sorry, most people don't realise the answer to that question, it has a lot to do with the way that we were raised, not just by our parents, but also society. You know, we live in a society where we look to our external world to tell us who we are. So, for example, when we were in high school, we were bombarded with, I don't know if people remember the Dolly magazines. I don't know if it's an Australian thing, but we had these Australian, I don't know, again, if it's Australian, but we had these magazines growing up for teenagers and you had like your Avril Lavigne on there and your Taylor Swift and they marketed these young celebrities to teenagers. And again, these types of images that we were fed were look a certain way or have a certain sense of fame and attention. And, you know, you'll be good enough, you'll be liked, you'll be on magazines, et cetera, et cetera. You'll have a happy life. And then when we became, you know, young young women, adults, it was then, you know, Victoria's Secret. And then it was really fed to us that we needed to look a certain size in order to then, again, have a sense of happiness and attention and, and fame. And so this is where we then associate the identity of who we are based on the external world for what we see. So it becomes dependent on our achievements, right? So what I do, it becomes dependent on how hard we work. And when we're not working really hard, how does that make us feel about ourselves? We feel shit. We feel lazy. We feel like we're not good enough. And so we can start to see that then that's fueling things like external validation, right? I'm going to get my validation from my external world because I don't actually know who I am enough to validate myself. And this is where a lot of people will say things like, you know, I feel lost. I don't know who I am. Midlife crisis, things like that. And I don't think we should be waiting till we're 50 to have a midlife crisis and then go, fuck, like, who am I? What's the purpose of my life? We should be answering these questions now so we can live a really fulfilling life. So the first thing people need to recognize is everything in your external world that you have been born into that has doctrinated these beliefs and dogmas and dogmas are sort of like society's expectations and society's beliefs about who we should be none of them are real 
and they were just given to you by what society thinks is deemed as like good and bad, right and wrong, right? Look this way and you'll be good. Don't look that way because that's bad and you're not going to have a good partner and, you know, so forth. So like we first need to just shatter the illusion. Like who I am is not dependent on my external world. Doesn't matter how hard I work. Doesn't matter how many achievements I have. Doesn't matter about how much money I have, the cars, the fame, the attention, how many, you know, women I can get or men. None of that matters. Yeah, 100%. At the end of the line, right, when it comes to achievements and accomplishments, like the reality is none of that matters, really. Like none of it matters. It's how you were to people, really, isn't it? How you showed yeah. up and everything else. But on that note, right, in terms of the what you've struggled with and what I struggled with in the past, you know, we talked about the bodybuilding stuff on your podcast. So with external validation and obviously the dysmorphia and stuff like that, that you have experienced before as, you know, a physique competitor and stuff. Do you feel like that was a problem for you then as well in terms of external validation, you know, identifying as Nikki, the physique athlete, for example, the pro, WBFF pro? Do you think that was a bit of a problem for you in the past? And, you know, it be, I'm just curious to know, like, kind of how, if you could just talk a bit more about that and kind of how you overcame those struggles to become the person you are now. Yeah, so... When you don't have a grasp on, like, who you are and you don't really know how to love that, like, love yourself, because, <clears throat> like, what are you loving if you don't know, like, who you are like or what to love, <coughs> excuse me, then you can very much look for the outside world to kind of tell you that. And so, like, if we're looking at, for example, and, you know, the ego pretty much drives most of this behavior unconsciously. So the ego for anyone who, you know, hasn't learned a lot about this, the ego is a part of you that is driven by fear. It doesn't like to be flawed and it's very righteous in the way that it protects that, right? So for when someone says when someone says something bad to you, the ego goes, <gasps> you know, like that hurt, that's not true. Even if underneath the surface there it wasn't your intention, but that person still felt that way. And so the ego is very much like, I'm unflawed, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, and it's driven by the fear of I don't want to be imperfect. I don't want to feel like I'm not good enough. Right. And so the conscious side of us, which is not our ego, <clears throat> you know, our consciousness, we all know consciously we can't be perfect. Right. We know consciously perfect perfection doesn't exist. Like we'd, we'd just be robots if we were perfect and that wouldn't be a very interesting life to live. So consciously we know, all right, there's no such thing as perfection, but unconsciously I have this ego that still feels like, you know, I can't reveal my flaws. I can't be vulnerable. I, I am scared of judgment. I am scared of rejection. And you're like, why? Why are you scared of that? And you're like, I don't know. I just am. And that's the ego there that fuels those fears. And so when you have a huge fear like, you know, judgment, rejection, not being good enough, inadequacy, imperfection, we'll often do those things, sorry, do things to mask that. So if I feel imperfect, if I feel like I'm not good enough, well, I'm probably going to do something that's going to mask that. And for me, it was bodybuilding. I'll try and have the perfect body, 6% body fat, you know, the nice hair, the makeup, the tan, the photo shoots 
it's relentless. The pursuit is relentless. And you're not happy. You lose your period. You develop eating disorders. You start binge eating, right, because you probably don't have a coach that's teaching you how to regulate your central nervous system. So when you're in fight or flight, you don't know how to regulate that. So emotionally, you're hijacked. And the, the ego loves that. It's like, yay, we get to be in charge. Just keep doing it through fear. And so, you know, I, I didn't realize this when I was competing. I competed five times, got my pro card, competed as a pro. So it became like, what did I come? Third in Australia, which is pretty good. And walked away from the experience and I was just so depressed. And body dysmorphia hit me really bad because my identity became I am a WBFF pro. And because I didn't look like one, right, because you can't be 6% body fat all year round, because I didn't look like I was at the peak of my performance, I then had this huge dissociation between who I actually was versus who I thought I should be. And so it's like I should be a WBFF pro, I should look like one, but I don't. So like who am I? And, And I was depressed and I was punishing my body for it. And it was a really dark place to be, really dark place to be. You know, and, and Martin, when people clap for you too, when you're at 6% body fat mm-hmm. and you're stressed, you're depressed, you have an eating disorder, you have body dysmorphia, and people clap for that, like, wow, you look great. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're my hero. Like, you're an inspiration. It does things to your mind. The ego goes, oh, let's just keep doing this thing because look how much people love you. Oh, isn't that the validation and love that you want? <gasps> Keep doing it. People clap for you, Nikki. But it's not real. It's, they're not seeing the real journey. They just see the outside shell, mm. right? They just see the end product. Yeah, 100%. I just heard an interesting stat as well, just popped into my mind then. And the number one cause, you probably know this anyway, of unhappiness is like lack of self-love. And ego is second in line, right? And we all know the ego, as you say, it's there to protect you and keep you alive. Obviously, you need it. But at the same time, judging by what you were talking about then, it can also be your worst enemy, right? So was there like a turning point for you then, Nikki? Was there a specific moment that you can remember, which was like, you know what? Like enough's enough. I've got to do something here to change this way I'm living. And, you know, obviously the damage is having to my health and everything else. Or was it just like a gradual journey for you? Yeah, so there was some pretty pivotal breakthroughs that I had. The first one was during a healing ceremony. And at this stage, my relationship with my partner had completely fallen apart. I was depressed. I was I'd put on maybe 15 kilos from my show. I was secretly eating in the car because I was so scared about going home and my partner not understanding why I couldn't not eat uh, certain foods. And it was it was pretty dark. It was a pretty dark phase. And I was like, if I keep going this way, like uh, I'm scared, like w- what that's going to look like. It's like, right, something significantly has to shift. And so I did this personal development healing ceremony. And, um, you know, I'm not going to share what that is on the space here. So if you're curious enough to want to do it for yourself, reach out to me. And in this ceremony, I kept grappling with this idea of like, who am I without the bodybuilding? And I didn't want to let go of that because of how much 
it was fueling my ego. You know, like people clapped to that. I had people that looked up to me. I had people say, you know, Nikki, I've never been able to take care of myself. And for the first time, I'm now in the gym. So it wasn't all negative. There was actually a lot of positive that was coming from it as well. And I was scared because I've been doing that for, you know, four years. I was like, who who am I going to be on the other side? Like, I don't even know. And the whole ceremony was pretty much me battling with, like, doesn't matter. Like, who do you want to be, though? It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a bodybuilder. Like, that doesn't define who you are, Nikki. You still get to be all those things. And I could just feel this part of me holding on. Like, you know, I still want to do that. I don't want to let go. And this whole shedding process through this ceremony is, is pretty ugly, but it was just me crying for like six hours. <laughs> <laughs> six Being hours like, is a long go, time to be crying. Go. Yeah, yeah so and you like, must have lost about five kilos in water then. <laughs> <laughs> in water. <laughs> and it, it, it really was a bit of an ego death. Um, mm. And that part of me kind of had to like die to recognize that I could let go of that experience and I had so much more to gain on the other side that actually felt real for me. Like it was a real sense of love. You know, the ego said, but look at all this love you're getting. But it wasn't real because it was just based on my body, right? And so when I didn't have that body, no wonder I didn't feel like I love myself. And so I had to realize that without the body, without the pro card, without the you know, the achievements and success, I still needed to love myself unconditionally. I still need to love those parts of me wholeheartedly. And when I did that, Martin, like, oh, it was hard. But when I finally got it, I was like, so I can love myself and my body can look any way, any way I want it to be. And I can get on stage or not get on stage, or I can be a coach or not be a coach. And this, you know, this this um friend that I was with that was facilitating it, he was like, yeah, Nikki, like you get to decide who you want to be. Like no one else can define that for you. So like, what do you want that to look like? And for the first time in my life, I really opened my heart to like, what do I really want in my life? Like, who do I want to be? What makes me happy? Like, and, and what do I want? Not what society wants or my mom or my dad, all the other WPFF pros, like, what do I want? And um, that was sort of the catalyst for me to go, okay, so what does this self-love healing journey look like? And then obviously from there, you know, I had to do quite a lot of work because it's a pattern, right? Patterns just don't just um, dissolve overnight. But I realized a big pattern. And then from there, I was able to to do a lot of healing on that. Mm, awesome. Love that story. And with the eating disorder and relationship with food, so Obviously, when you had that experience, that was a massive catalyst to improving your relationship with yourself. And as you mentioned, ego death. And then obviously that is going to change the way you look at food and everything else, right? So what happened with the food, like relationship with food? I'm just curious to know a bit more about that and how that changed. Because like what you were saying, then eating secretly. And as you know, I've, I struggle with binge eating as a result of bodybuilding for like two years. So I'm just curious. And I think it'll be helpful for the audience as well. If you could share a bit more on that. Yeah. So. Just to clarify, binge eating disorder and emotional eating aren't the same thing. And I feel that we live in a society where people watch a TikTok video and then they diagnose themselves. And it's a it's kind of a dangerous place to be because 
you're diagnosing yourself with a disorder when it could be just a, a relationship with food that is fueled by your inability to regulate your emotions. Whereas binge eating disorder is an inability to regulate your emotions and also the somatic sensations that are happening in your body. So you cannot register when you when you are full. The body doesn't register, I'm full. Whereas when you're emotional eating, you often overeat and then you're like, oh, I feel like shit, right? I've overeaten and I can't go back for more. So I just want to really clarify that. Just be mindful for everyone who's listening that you might be self-diagnosing something um, and not to say that there's nothing there, but it could just be an incorrect diagnosis. So just be mindful there. Most of my clients that come to me, it's more, in fact, emotional eating. And they'll say things like, I binged last night. And it's like, "Mm, just be mindful because binge eating disorder is like, it's like the equivalent of having like a a like diabetes. You can't say I had a diabetes episode last night. It's like you have it and it's an ongoing healing journey. It's not something you have and then don't have, have and then don't have, right, Martin? So Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to show people here like your diagnosis is obviously really important and we don't want anyone to, you know, have more shame around, you know, oh, I binged last night and feeling really ashamed about that. Whereas when we look at it as emotional eating, then we're given a lot more resources to regulate that. So let's talk about that and um, hopefully give everyone some maybe tools to help them as well. So when we look at emotional eating, what happens is there's a part of the brain called our limbic system, which is responsible for our emotions, right? It's your emotional center. They get switched online. Now, if the feeling that arises is good, then you'll stay regulated, you'll stay present, you can do your intuitive eating, you can regulate portion control, you can be in control with your food. However, if the emotion that arises is scary or feels uncomfortable and you want to run away from that feeling, your brain will go into amygdala hijack, which is fight or flight. And in that space, in fight or flight, that part of the brain that you need to regulate portion control, intuitively eat, be mindful, that part of the brain switches offline. So you cannot just eat healthy. You cannot just regulate your portion control. That part of your brain is literally no longer online and able to do that. And what often happens is when we then emotionally eat and have an episode where we're, you know, overeating, can't regulate our food. What do we feel after, Martin? What do your clients feel when they when they overeat? Guilty. You get the feelings yeah. that come with it, guilty, and then you feel bloated, yeah. and then you feel, feel sad. guilty, feel sad, disappointed. And then when you feel those feelings, which don't feel good, what does that want, want to make you do more of? Yeah, exactly. You want to turn <clears> to food to make you feel better. Exactly. Exactly. And so we call that the habit feedback loop. So there's an emotion, like let's say loneliness. I then fuel, uh, I then uh, self soothe that emotion through food or other coping mechanisms. It then reinforces that original emotion. And so I keep doing the behavior to try and escape the feeling. And if it's not that, it'll be drinking, 
It'll be partying on the weekend. It'll be, you know, gambling, maybe sex, um, hitting the vape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or scrolling, right, social media. So we got to look at what's happening before the behavior, right, because the behavior is a result of how I'm feeling. And so this is where we got to go in and feel our feelings. And this is something that a lot of people don't like doing. Like no one likes to sit with their loneliness. No one likes to sit with their inadequacy. It sucks, right? And that's Mm -hmm. the ego. That's like, don't do that. What are you doing? (laughs) Just eat the comfort food, right? That's why it's called comfort food. Just don't do that. And when we can sit with that and go, yeah, but like this is really important for my healing, and we can tell our ego that and reassure ourselves this is an important part of the journey, we can then go, okay, what's underneath my loneliness? What's really coming up for me here? Why am I feeling disappointed in myself? Oh, okay, it's because my partner told me that something about my my legs today and that's making me feel really insecure and inadequate and now I'm emotional eating because of that to feel, feel this little gap of, of um, pain in my heart, but we're not addressing the belief that we have about ourselves that's fueling the emotion with, you know, what your partner said about your legs. So it's really important to look at the behavior and then backtrack. What was the feeling that made me do this thing? And then from there, if you can get really good, what's the belief that I have about myself that's making me feel that way? Yeah, some great advice there. And you actually... I had a light bulb moment then. I was thinking when you said about the difference between emotional eating and binge eating, and I was thinking, oh, wow, actually, it was, again, and I think that was such a good point. I'm glad you said that in terms of people labeling and diagnosing themselves, right? Especially even just using the word disorder, right? It can like be problematic. But yeah, it was, I think when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, yeah, it was binge eating that I used to struggle with because I used to push through, I used to eat, even when I was full, I would kind of like keep going. and. But yeah, it was probably, it could have been a combination of the two, but yeah, I'm glad you said that because it's really important for the audience to understand that. As you say, people can easily watch a YouTube video or TikTok video and just quickly start diagnosing themselves and then identifying with that then as well. And then that can kind of spiral, but uh, some really, really good points there, Nikki. So I just wanted to kind of wrap this up with, because obviously I can see you have a lot of, we have to have a lot of compassion for people as coaches, right? Otherwise you're not going to, you're not going to understand and help people. But do you feel like what you've been through with the experiences you just touched on, do you feel like that has helped you have more compassion as a coach, understand people more, and effectively get people better results? Yeah. And like this is a tricky part with compassion as a coach because it's sort of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. (laughs) So what I mean by that is there's a lot of coaches in the industry that are miseducated but then I question, is it miseducation or are they not? Are they just not compassionate to their clients' needs? And I'm sort of like, which one is it? Is it like the – because then if they were – if they knew they could change them, why don't they just educate themselves? And then it's sort of like, well, maybe they're not compassionate, right? So which one comes first? Just regardless, despite that, I think everyone has a responsibility in their profession to give their clients the best service that the clients need. And what I often see in coaches, sorry, just (laughs) give me a second. All good. What I often see in coaches is that they try and give their clients what they think they need. 
So the coach has a personal experience and they say, wow, this thing really worked for me. And so it must work for all of my clients. And by doing that, we're not actually asking ourselves, what do my clients need? Not what I think they need. What do they need? And so, for example, you know, I had a chat with one of my clients the other week and she said to me, Nikki, my clients just don't seem to do the work. Like they don't, they don't follow their training program. And, um, you know, I'm trying to help them to like pull things back a bit and be more compliant with that. And I'm like, yeah, but like, that's what you think they need as a coach. What do you think this girl really needs right now? She's not showing up. She's really struggling. She's pulling away from the space. And I was like, Nicole, she probably needs to be validated that right now the way she's feeling is okay. And she's probably had coaches in the past that be like, just do it. You know, you're just not being compliant. You just got to be disciplined, right? High bloody um, toxic masculinity. Just be more disciplined. It's like, yeah, you've got to be disciplined, but what if you're not able to do that? And this is where, you know, the compassion is really important. It's like, how is my client feeling right now? And what do they really need right now to come back into the space? So, you know, compassion is really, really important. And then educating yourselves on how can I actively listen to what my clients are saying? What's actually happening in their brain right now when they can't be compliant? Maybe that part of the brain that's responsible for compliance is offline. You know, and how can I help that part of the brain come back online? You know, and safety is a really big thing, Martin. You know, and safety means, and not that you're creating an unsafe space, but safety means being like, yeah, I hear you. Like, it's okay to feel that way. Like, you're welcome in this tribe, in this community, in this space. That's safety. So it's, you know, it it can be really small things. And I think a lot of PTs and fitness coaches then go, well, it's out of my scope of practice. I just got to refer on. It's like, no, like, you don't have to be a therapist to create a safe space with your clients so that they can actually show up and do the space and not feel scared that if they don't do something, you're going to chastise them for it. No wonder they're not compliant. So if you're listening and, you know, you obviously, you know, Martin and I are great friends, so I know that he does amazing work with his clients. But if you've got a different coach out there to Martin and you feel maybe scared to tell them when you're not compliant or scared when you miss sessions and maybe, you know, fill in your diary and you didn't actually do it, I really encourage you to ask ask yourselves, have I created maybe a false belief that my, my um coach won't support me and be compassionate, maybe I should ask them, how do I know? And if you have, and they're not supportive of that, you know, reach out to someone else, like maybe Martin or myself. So you can feel supported in that journey because it's really important to know you're not alone if you're struggling. You know, if you're emotional eating, if you're, if you have binge eating disorder, if you have body dysmorphia, if you have anything that we spoke about today, if you're feeling depressed, like it's okay. And it's actually quite normal. It's actually quite normal when we're going on this journey of self-development and betterment. I think we live in a society where we're told we're not good enough over and over. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You know, and that's sure to fuel those feelings, but that's not your fault, you know, and it's certainly not something you need to keep punishing yourself for on your own. So there's plenty of support in this space if you if you need it and um, reach out to Mana or I for that. 100%, yeah. So much gold in this episode, Nikki. And yeah, I always say to my listeners, some of them do message me, but very few do. They tag me on this story and stuff. But yeah, give us a message if any of this resonated with you or if Mm. there's anything you're really struggling with based on the stuff we talked about. As you say, the support is there. And Nikki and I like live to help people. And 
I was going to ask you, what advice would you give Nikki, a younger version of Nikki, just before you stepped on stage for the first time, for example? What advice would you give that version of Nikki right now? If I was about to step on stage? Yeah, or let's just say like the Nikki just before you got into that world and then obviously all that stuff that happened, you know, throughout your journey until you had the moment where you changed things around. What advice would you give to that Nikki? Like say, not right before you go on stage. I mean, the one that was right. I'm going to do a show. The, the Nikki that was like, right, I'm going to do my first show. Ah. That version of Nikki. What advice would you give her? Look, I'd probably sit her down and ask her. I'd say it's okay for you to compete, but it's important for you to tune into why, and not because of the superficial why, you know, I want to be competitive. I want to do something to empower myself. I want to prove that I can do something hard. You know, we all say that, but what's the real reason, Nikki? What do you think you're going to get from this experience that you believe you can't get somewhere else? And you can still do the bodybuilding show, but what are you really looking for? And what tells you you can't do that without the show? right? Love yourself, be happy, feel successful. All of those things I thought I was going to get from competing that I didn't actually get. Love your body, be accepted, feel worthy, be happy. And help her to go, hey, Nikki, you can do all of those things no matter what you do, whether you compete, whether you have a successful business or not. It's already there and don't forget that. Wow. So with that, anyone who listened back to this, make sure you get your notepad out and actually make a note of <laughs> what stood out to you the most, right? Because there's so much gold in this episode. So rather than going away from the episode and going, no, oh, that was great. I feel awesome. I learned so much. Actually, just quickly write in your notes. What was the one thing that stood out to you the most, right? Because that was super powerful. Where can the audience find you, Nikki? So head to my Instagram, Nikki Casa, and that's N-I-K-K-I. C-A-S-S-A. And I'm also writing a book at the moment. I've been writing a book for the past year and a half, two years in the making nearly, and that's going to be publishing 2023, probably towards the start of the year, February, March. So get your hands on that. If you're a woman, it's called The Conscious Woman, and it's going to help you. It will literally transform your life. It's everything that I've learned as a mindset coach and practitioner and my whole life journey going through trauma, bodybuilding, all of my my breakthrough experiences. And it takes these really complex models in neuroscience, psychology, quantum physics, and helps you to understand it from a lens to apply it to your own life in a really easy, digestible way. So get your hands on that. The Conscious Woman comes out next year. And um, if not, in the meantime, just come to my my Instagram, check out my page, send me a message, and um, I'll point you in the right direction. Awesome. Can they pre-order the book then? Not yet, obviously. You can't pre-order just yet. Not yet. Pre-orders okay, cool. will be towards the end of this year. So it might awesome. be a nice, nice present for yourself or for your friend or your mom pre-order it for them for Christmas or something like that. <laughs> awesome. I've seen firsthand how Nikki, how hard Nikki's been working on this book and how much she's put into it. So definitely get that. Okay. Get that. And we'll finish it up there. Thanks again for your time, Nikki. That was awesome. Thanks, Martin. Bye-bye.